Hi, I'm Gary and this is episode 58 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, I'm going to be touching on a couple of items that we've talked about in earlier episodes, but perhaps going into a little more depth and detail about them. Before we start, I wanted to check and ask a simple question. Would any of my listeners be open to supporting me if I started a Patreon account? I'm spending quite a bit of time putting together the podcast, the transcripts, the Redux episodes and the newsletter, and there are of course costs associated with each of these things. If I was to open a Patreon account, would there be anyone out there who might consider chipping in a little bit of money each month to help cover these costs? Let me know by Twitter or DM me directly if you think this might be something you would uh, consider. Thank you. Our main topic today consists of a couple of related items. I want to start with route planning. Sooner or later, everyone who owns an EV is going to want to take it for a trip that's further than the range of the battery. And this applies equally regardless of whether your car can travel 100 miles on a charge or 500 miles on a charge. And I'm looking at you, Lucid Air. If you want to do this in a fossil fuel vehicle, you pretty much always just get in the car and drive. The chances of you running low and not being able to find a petrol station are minuscule. Although that doesn't stop thousands of people running out of fuel every year. But with an electric car, the situation is slightly different. Sure, there are more charging locations than filling stations in the UK at the moment, but that's not the full picture. What we lack at the moment, to a greater or lesser extent, is a robust charging network that we can rely on to be always available whenever we need it. When was the last time you went to a garage for fossil fuel and found that all the pumps were not working. When was the last time you went there and had to wait more than a few minutes to get access to a pump? When was the last time you went to a Shell station and found you couldn't use the pump because you're actually a BP customer and they won't accept your payment method? Because fossil fuel garages have been around for many, many years, these issues have all been sorted out and you rarely ever run into the type of problems I've just mentioned. But for EV recharging, these teething issues still exist. Because a lot of charging locations only have single chargers, if that charger is broken, you can't use it. Because the number of rapid charge locations with more than one unit is quite minor, if you get to a charger and it's being used, you'll have to wait. If it's someone with a larger battery vehicle, you might be there for some time. If you're a BP Charge Master Polar Plus member and you end up at a Shell petrol station without their app or RFID card, you won't be able to pay for your charging if the charger hasn't been adapted to take contactless payment. Obviously, if you're part of the Tesla charging infrastructure, these problems have more or less been completely removed. You generally have lots of chargers at a supercharger station. They tend to always work and your payment is automatic. I am hearing anecdotal stories of people having to queue at chargers, but with a multi-charger stations Tesla built, this is rarely more than about 10 minutes. All of these potential problems mean that charging a non-Tesla EV on the go can be fraught with anxiety. But there is a tried and trusted way of minimising these anxieties and ensuring your trip planning ninja skills are put to good use. So here is the EV Musings to Trip Planning Masterclass. Step 1. Get yourself an app. By this I mean find which of the major charger and route planning apps suit your style and load that onto your phone. Don't rely on the individual apps provided by the charge providers themselves. These will likely give you up-to-date charger status, but they will also limit you to the charges that are on that network. 
The four main charger apps at the moment are ZapMap, which is the EV Musings favorite, PlugShare, WhatsApp, not to be confused with WhatsApp, and a better route planner. We covered most of these in episode 30, the apps, and there's a link to that in the show notes. The beauty of whichever app you get is that it will take a lot of the anxiety out of the planning process. The apps show charger status, usually, charger history, and they generally allow you to navigate a route using specific criteria for your car. In the following example, I'm going to be using ZapMap. On ZapMap, I can go into the settings and I can tell the app what vehicle I drive. I can also load in some minimum and maximum values for charge status and distance from the main route that I'm prepared to go. This is useful, for example, if you're traveling up a motorway and don't want to use Ecotricity chargers at the motorway service areas. You can specify how far off the motorway you're willing to travel to get to a charger. You can also specify which charger networks you're willing to use. I usually specify Polar, Instavolt, Ingenie and Podpoint. If I was heading down towards the southwest of England, I'd include GeniePoint as they are more prevalent down there. These preferences are useful for the app to determine the landing zone from which they will select potential charges you can use. Step two, work out your maximum and minimum charge range. As I mentioned on previous episodes, once you've used your EV for a while, you get to know how quickly it will charge and how low you can run it without having to worry about hitting the turtle mode. Once you know these values, you can use them to determine the furthest you will be willing to drive on a single charge as well as the length of time you'd be willing to wait at a unit for a charge. Let me give you an example. My Kia Soul charges really quickly for a 30 kilowatt hour car, but it starts to throttle at around 75%. So I set 80% as the maximum I'm willing to wait for a charge at a unit. Any more than that, and it's quicker for me to keep going and charge again than it is to stay and fill the battery for a little bit more. I also know that once I get below 20% state of charge, I want to be quite close to a charger. And at 10%, I need to be very, very close to a charger. This gives the app a useful range of 20 to 80% of my battery. If you're in something like an e-Nero or a Kona with a larger range, these figures might be quite different for you. Step three, plug in your route. Drop your start and end locations into the route planner and depending on which app you're using, it will either suggest potential charges or it will select them automatically whilst also giving you the option to change them. You can then look at the individual legs of the journey to make sure that they fall within the criteria you specified. It's usually quite good, but it's always worthwhile spending a few moments just looking back to make sure that you haven't selected something that's outside the range and the apps actually let you do that. Step four. Always have a backup. Once you've found the charger closest to the furthest distance you'll travel on a charge, find the next closest one as a backup and use that instead. As an example, if I was going from my house near Farnborough to my parents' house in Yorkshire, my first stop would be Milton Keynes. It's 77 miles, well within my range, and it has literally dozens of rapids I can use. I would usually choose the Polar Hub at the Coachway, But I know if that's busy, which it shouldn't be as it's got eight chargers, there's always the Tanfield Lane charger, the Shakeston Close or the Holiday Inn Polar chargers nearby. My second stop would probably be somewhere around Derby. The Holiday Inn at Derby has a Polar charger, but there's also a Novotel two miles away and the Totten Lane Park and Ride another couple of miles away. This gives me three options within five minutes of each other. I should arrive there with about 15% charge. 
This is close to my limit, but with the three options, I feel comfortable. My car will take me all the way home from there. But I could choose to make an extra stop in Sheffield or Rotherham if I want. Ingenie have a charger at the 1810 pub in Meadow Hall, and if that's not available, there's an Instavolt a mile away. Step 5. Prep your payment in advance. Once you know which networks you're going to use, either as main chargers or as backups, you can ensure you have the right apps or RFID cards or subscriptions to pay for them. What you can also do again using ZapMap or PlugShare is check the status of the chargers. It's always worth looking back through the chat history to find out if your chosen charger has had issues. Generally speaking, if there are lots of issues in the history, this charger should not be relied upon. For example, the Polar Charger at the Novotel in Nottingham that I mentioned a few moments ago has a recent history of cutting out or not being able to accept Polar Plus cards. In reality, I'd make sure my alternative chargers were sound just around there because I'm pretty sure I'm going to get there and there's going to be a problem. So now, you've got the right apps, you've added in your preferences, you've checked your route, you've found backups for each of your stops and you've monitored the status of the chargers. You're good to go. There is one final thing I would say with respect to the route planning. Don't be afraid to go a few miles off your planned route to get a charge. The reason Ecotricity was so successful when they first started was that they were right on the motorway service areas. You could literally pull in, charge up and go. But more and more charge operators are adding locations a few minutes drive off the main routes or the motorways. Around where I live, there is a Polar, two Instavolts and three Ingenie units at two locations, all within five minutes drive from the nearest M3 junction. That junction is one mile from the motorway service area that has Ecotricity chargers. The M5 at Worcester, for example, has two Ingenie locations and an Instavolt charger within a short drive. So look around, be flexible. Of course, the easiest way to charge is to use a destination charger when you've arrived at wherever it is you're going. This might be a hotel, a restaurant, a cinema, or just a general shopping centre. But, as we've said on the show before, sometimes it's quicker to charge a smaller battery more often than it is to charge a larger battery less often. Beyond Island proved that by pitting a Kia Soul 30kWh against a Jaguar I-Pace. Which brings us very nicely onto the second part of the podcast. Battery size. Is bigger better? Over the last couple of weeks, there have been quite a few announcements about EVs with nice big ranges being introduced. The Model S update gave it 402 miles of range, and just this week, Lucid announced their Air model would hit over 500 miles of range, and the new Tesla Roadster is rumoured to have 600 miles of range. And that's excellent news for those of you out there who suffer from range anxiety, or charger anxiety as it actually is, and want the reassurance of a large battery underneath you. But linked in with that, we also have a set of newer EV models that have been announced or released with ranges considerably lower than that. The Honda E gets around 105 miles on a charge. The electric Mini gets about 115. The recently announced Seat Mi will do 120. These are considerably less than the distance that a lot of ICE drivers have said is optimal for them to make the leap to EVs. But the driver behind a lot of this is obviously cost. A vehicle with a larger battery will, by definition, cost more to make than a smaller size vehicle with a smaller battery, even accounting for the drop in battery prices. So what's the impact of this? Well, basically, a smaller battery will mean you need to charge more often on a longer run, obviously. But that's not the whole story. Let's consider my car, the 30kWh Kia Soul, and its successor, the 64kWh eSoul. Range on mine? Approximately 110 miles. 
range on the ESO, 225 miles. This means that for the trip we were talking about earlier in the podcast, Hampshire to Yorkshire, approximately 210 miles, the 30 kilowatt hour sole would need to stop twice and the 64 kilowatt hour sole wouldn't need to stop at all. This is ideal if you're looking at it purely from the point of view of charging stops. But when you get to your destination in the eSole, you'll end up with a 64 kilowatt hour battery that's almost completely empty and will need recharging. If you're charging on a granny cable, that's going to take you 32 hours. On a 7 kilowatt charger, that's 10 hours. And on a rapid, that's between 44 and 63 minutes to 80%, depending on the speed of the charger. Longer if you want to fill it to 100%. With a Soul EV, I'm arriving at the destination with about 20 to 25% of my battery left. I can charge on a granny cable in six hours on a seven kilowatt charger in about two and a half, three hours, and at a rapid in about 20 to 30 minutes, depending on the speed of the charger. That's a big difference. As we mentioned in the episode on charging speed, flattening the curve, link in the show notes, a larger battery will not necessarily charge faster than a smaller battery just because you put it into a high power charger, such as the 150 kilowatt units run by BP Chargemaster. Depending on the state of charge and the heat of the battery, you might get good charging speed to start with, but over time that will either step down or tail off as the battery gets fuller and fuller. As we said in that episode, you might get 100 miles in 10 minutes, but you won't get 200 miles in 20 minutes. So is there an optimal size for a vehicle battery? The short answer is no. The long answer is, it depends on what you want to do with it. If you're only ever running around on trips that are within the range of the battery, then any battery size works. If you want to extend yourself to somewhere that's outside the range of the car, then you want to strike the balance between a bigger battery that will go further and a smaller battery that will charge quicker. EV Man UK, a YouTube blogger, calculated that 200 miles was about what someone should be looking at. Personally, I reckon 150 to 180 is probably better. It's the right balance between the longest distance you'll travel before bladder anxiety, or hunger and or fatigue cut in, and being a long enough distance to avoid having to stop and charge too frequently. Overall, there needs to be more and more chargers with higher speeds to enable people to do the 100 miles in 10 minutes trick, even if they do that every couple of hours, rather than sitting for 90 minutes on a 50 kilowatt charger waiting to fill your 64 kilowatt hour ESOL to 100%. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing for our viewers. The UK government has, in the last couple of days, released statistics showing the number of electric vehicle charging devices installed in the country. Here are the key findings. At the 1st of July 2020, there were 18,265 public electric vehicle charging devices available in the UK. Of these, 3,206 were rapid devices, which is approximately one in six. Since 2015, the number of public charging devices has grown by nearly five times to July 2020, with an 11% increase in the year to date. Rapid charging devices have also grown quickly, increasing by 363% since 2015. In the second quarter of 2020, 318 more devices were available in total, up 2% on the previous quarter, and 99 of these were rapid devices, and this was during the pandemic too. The link to the report is in the show notes, well worth a few minutes of your time to read. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, please use EV Musings Twitter account, Musings EV. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So, You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, 
and is a great little introduction to living with an electric car. At the moment it's free on Kindle Unlimited or if you're in the Kindle Lending Library. Please check it out. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. Thanks as always to my co-founder Simon. You know, he's looking at creating a perpetual motion EV, rigging alternators up to the wheels so it recharges as you drive, and asked him why he thinks that would work when nobody's been able to do it so far. He says he doesn't really mind if it works or not. He can sell it as a miracle cure. After all, there's a petrol station on many street corners. Although that doesn't stop thousands of people running out of fuel every year. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.